catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey everyone, Yas here, and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Stefan Peter. Afternoon, evening, good, good night, even, where you are, Stefan. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm very good. In Kuala, in Kuala Lumpur uh, at the moment, so it's evening already. Awesome, awesome. Well, hopefully it's been a, a fantastic day and hopefully we're going to have an amazing discussion now. Uh, Steph, just before we get into the real heart of it, uh, just give a brief insight around who you are, what you do, and then we can go from there, man. Sure, sure. Now it's an honor for me to be on your podcast and I'm, I was also really looking forward to our conversation today. So um, I'm a personal development coach and um, I'm, I'm specializing in, in, in working with athletes. Um, on topics such as helping athletes if they're struggling mentally, but also mainly emotionally, because most people like put that into the same into the same box. But actually, there is although thoughts and emotions are both created in our mind, um, it's I feel like it's a good idea to distinguish between the thoughts and the emotions and really dive deep into those kind of topics. And that's what I do with my athletes not only athletes, but mainly athletes, and basically helping them to overcome stressful situations, helping them to, to um, um, like, for example, when you have a negative emotion stuck with you, um, then it's, it's my goal with my courses, with my coachings to make you get unstuck. So in the sense that this kind of negative emotion is not stuck to you like a chewing gum on the shoe, and yeah, that's what I do. Even rhymes. <laughs> Amazing. Just, just, just kind of you know, share some insights. And you know, how, how does one get into that type of work? What was your journey like into that? Because you know, we've all got different paths that we follow. Um, in your case, you know, you, you, working around the performance side of things and mindset and emotions in particular. Um, but we're both coaches in, in the same vein. Where does where does that interest come for you? You know what 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 drew you what drew you to that specific aspect of coaching? Yeah, thank you for this question because I think it's one of the most important ones to find out where the passion of someone really comes from. And I can say my passion for this topic came from my own struggles. 
um, as a young athlete with a father as my coach who um, who shaped me a lot, also pushed me a lot, and and in this sense also helped me a lot in, in many aspects of my life because this made me more um, driven and more focused. And so this is, has been the positive aspect of that. But there was also a negative aspect on that, um, which was like me becoming a perfectionist, me being unable to deal with my own mistakes, me being unable to feel um, emotionally down for a very long time if I lost a game, for example. And all this led into like me having negative emotions and, and feeling, feeling bad, feeling depressed even for a very big part of my, of my youth. So between the age of 12, 13, 14, 15, especially, I knew this on a daily basis, how it felt like to almost develop such, such, such kind of performance anxiety. And then Unfortunately, when my father died very early, I was only 19 at that time, um, that I would say that made it worse at first because I could not cope with this additional pressure that came onto me. And um, yeah, well, in this whole process of then the, la the next two months, uh, the next two years after that, I learned how important it is to actually work on myself, to look inwards, to work on my thoughts, to work on my mind, and to work on my emotions. And this ultimately created my passion for this whole topic. Mm. And so I decided to go into this, become a coach, study sports, study health. And that's that's where it came from. So just on that, there's, there's so much in there. Thank you for sharing that with us as well. Um, just a real context, what was, this, what was the sport that you was an athlete in? Um, soccer. So okay. football, yeah, I was a so, football coach, uh, not a football. Um, I was a football goalkeeper. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so just just on that, you know, because I'm 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 uh, I'm not sure, when, well, I'm not sure that it's it's always the best idea for parents to coach their children. Um, it's something that I'm I'm really big on. So I want to start there, but also we'll move on to some other pieces in a second. What was that like? Because my my view is that it, it's not that parents can't coach their kids. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's possible to kind of really be truly impartial with it. I think you either end up going down the you know the the, the side of too too harsh, too strict, too firm, um, because maybe you feel that it's your child that you want to maybe set an example for everyone else in the group and things like that. Or on the flip side of it, the perception could be that this is my child, so I'm going to take it easy on them. You know what, what? What was that like for you? Because obviously, you said that it was quite challenging for you. Obviously, with your father as as a as your coach, um, maybe you could share a little bit more about your own experience and your just your general perceptions on what, whether parents sh should even actually coach their children. Mm. Yeah, I think they can. I think it's there are always like um, very good examples when this works out very very well, exceptionally well. So I see it as kind of like a triangle of success in this sense. I always say if if the triangle of success consisting of the athlete, obviously, and the coach or the coaches and the parent works together well, then this creates some sort of a, a great haven for the athlete to perform on a very high level. So I don't I don't think that it's a no go for parents to coach 
their kids, but definitely it comes with its own with its own challenges. Um, and going back to my own story and remembering how it was with my father, it was definitely the case that for me and him, he was seeing me as a way to fulfill the dream that he always had, becoming a pro football player, because he was quite good also, but he never really managed to do the, the last step. So, and as soon as, as everyone realized that I was talented as well, and that actually academies were looking at me, um, I got, I like, I, I even got invited uh, by Manchester United to do a trial that was kind of unusual for an Austrian kid um, to, to get that opportunity. So, but he pushed that a lot. And um, yeah, I think this kind of like unfulfilled dream that he had and that he imposed onto me, obviously, naturally, um, it, it put a lot of pressure on me. Mm. So this mm. is something that I think happens sometimes and that makes it difficult for parents if they're the coaches. 100%. And there's a couple of things, obviously, you touched on there as well that um, you put, you know, you felt, you felt pressure. What, did you guys ever have any conversations around that during that time? And, you know, just to provide some more context, you know, you said that, you know, unfortunately, passed away when you was, you know, 19 years old. Was he your coach right up until that point? Was there a point where actually it, it transitioned that, you, you know, he was no longer your coach and that he was just was dad? No, I was like, he was the coach for, for the first period of my career. Like when I started up until the age I was um, 12 or so. Yeah. And then I am, I was really glad that he realized that he could not help me progress above this level because he was not a goalkeeper himself. Sure. So he, when I was 11, 12, he brought in an, a, a goalkeeper coach, an expert, and um, I was glad in the situation because my coach, um, my real goalkeeper coach at that time, he kind of like acted as a buffer between right. me and my father because he also saw at this moment the struggles that my dad was going through in his own life. And because of these struggles, my dad went in, went through in his own life without going into detail, but I share this openly on my website and, and openly on social media. So I can also say to you, my father had an alcohol problem at that time. So, I mean, you know, if, if a parent has an alcohol problem, then this can lead to all sorts of um, difficult behaviors in front of your child. So he would not be able to talk openly with me about that. Um, what he would do is um, if, if, I made, if I made a mistake, for example, or if I was not performing well, mm. he would not show me love. Right. And this was the most hurtful thing for me as a young athlete growing up, knowing that I only get love and this was the belief that I shaped in this time yeah. that I'm only a worthy human being when I perform right what he would do if I wouldn't perform he would just ignore me he wouldn't talk to me he would just slam the door behind me and you know that's sometimes that's the worst thing you can do to mm -hmm. a to a child that is growing up is ignore him so I kind of like, I put my self-worth, I connected my self-worth with 
performing in front of my father. And as soon as I realized that this works, that this is a strategy that works for me, I became a perfectionist. I wanted to perform every day, all day long in every aspect of life. And of course, I took this belief that was shaped when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And I, I had this belief deep down in my subconscious for a very long time, even in my adult life. Mm. So, you know, again, there's a few things that you kind of you kind of said there that I just made me think. So obviously you mentioned that your father had the alcohol problem. You mentioned that he's obviously brought in a goalkeeping coach. Um, so there's also a few years post that time where he was still around. Did you guys ever manage to have any conversations about the impact that he had on you? You know, did you get to that point? And what was his, you know, what was his perceptions of that? Did, you know, how did he reflect on that? And something really interesting you said there was that you wanted love, which, you know, every every young child and just every every human being should get. What would that have looked like for you to, to, to know that, OK, you're getting love? You know, what would he have done specifically? Um, yeah, what, what would it have looked like for you to, to make to say that, yeah, I'm, I'm receiving love? Because obviously there's no one action that can determine that. There's not one. Uh, it's, it's all down to perception. Is it the feeling of love that you wanted? Was it a particular action which kind of represented love for you? And, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking out, out loud now around what can coaches learn about this? What, you know, what can coaches take away from this and understand that, okay, athletes, young people, just people in general, we all want love, right? Um, and how does that how does that manifest itself, and how does it present itself if I'm a coach? Mm. Yeah, very good questions. A lot of questions. Um, I tried to answer all of them. Um, first of all, I think we need to understand that this is we all um, we all need not only love, but we need the sense of belonging. This is. Probably that's even stronger, but it's reflected in love very often. The sense of belonging and being part of your tribe, whether it's your family, your friends, your team, we all want to belong somewhere. And um, I, I was in, the, in this sense, I was very lucky because when I was 16, yeah, 16, 17, um, my father almost died. And I said, I'm lucky, I was lucky because this made him turn around. He started to realize that he needs to change if he wants to prolong his life. And he actually did. And this was something seeing for me how he was able to change, um, not only for himself, but also for me and my mom and my sister. This was something that made me so proud of my dad and giving back and giving me back a lot of, of, of hope also in this, in this situation. And then after that, this also elevated our, our relationship to a point where we were friends, where we could communicate on almost a level, on, on the same level, where at the, at the age of when I was 18, he would almost like ask me for advice sometimes. And you know, if, if a parent asks his son or daughter for advice that's the greatest feeling that we can ever get because suddenly we feel valued 
And um, I'm glad that I had this time with my dad only for a very brief moment um, because unfortunately um, his health was not perfectly. And well, although nobody really expected this, but um, he had a heart attack and he passed away because of that heart attack. But I feel like something or someone gave us this time, this three years where we had the time to really bond, to really connect, to talk about some of those things, not mm. in detail. And probably now, since I am 34 years old, if he would be around now, I'd probably ask him more in detail and all that stuff. Um, but no, it didn't happen. It's okay how it was. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that we got that time, yeah. So then just, just on that then, you know, just around the love part, you know, you said obviously things had changed, you got the hope, you know, that actually things are, it's possible for things to change when you saw the turnaround in your father. The love part, what does that, what does that look like to you? How do, you know, what would it, what would it have looked like to you for you to be able to say, yeah, I am, I'm receiving love in that moment. Um, Cause I'm, I'm quite conscious of, you know, it doesn't have to be your father necessarily that's sh that showing that and making players feel loved and feel that sense of belonging. I think, that, you know, that, that word belonging is so key because I think if you can allow athletes and players and individuals to feel that way, then you're going to see a, probably they're going to flourish a lot more and then they're going to, they're going to be engaged a lot more in terms of whatever is going on within the environment. Yeah, no, for sure. 100% sure. Let me ask you the question back. What was the thing that you wished for the most when we when you were like 12 13 years old what question. did you want the most um just wanted to be happy i guess I, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't i can't put a specific thing mm. on it but i think mm. i mean the way the way i think about things i don't know if i don't know if, if there's anything that we want i think it's the feelings of, and the emotions that we get from what yeah. we perceive if, if that makes sense yeah. so even you know, I use I use the example in a coaching context. You know, what's the first thing players do when 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 they show up to a training session? Or they start getting the balls out and then they start shooting at the goal. Yeah. It's not. It, it's for me. I I I don't believe it's they're shooting at the goal because they like shooting at the goal. They like shooting at the goal because of the feeling it gives them, that mm -hmm. emotion that it generates. Whether that's uh, enjoyment, excitement, happiness, whatever it is, that feeling of so. You know, I, I actually try and think about it in a in a way where, right? If that's if that's what they're getting from doing that, can we create more actions, more opportunities, more events in which those emotions can be um, activated? If you like, so it doesn't have to be by shooting in a goal, but actually, what is you know you think shooting in a goal constitutes scoring a goal. A goal means people are happy, celebrations, happy, you know, all those type of positive emotions. Well, why can't we why can't we celebrate maybe a player making a tackle in the same way or maybe a, play, a goalkeeper making a save in the same way? And if we can start to celebrate those things, create those emotions, and actually we can probably get people to be more, you know, wide-ranging and varied in terms of what they actually want to engage within the environment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of, of course. I mean, it's your... It's your it's the, it's it's your answer to this question. So there, there's obviously no right or wrong um, answer in this in this question. But to, but you said the emotions. This is what we strive for. And yes. And what if we say and 
what, what, what if we say or what if we um, propose the idea that when we are like 12, 13 years old, something that we want a lot is growing up and being taken serious. Mm. We want to be taken serious by older people. We yeah. want to grow up as quickly as possible. We want to be like our father. We want to be like the, the role model that we have because of the feeling that it that it well, um, that's what I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna say I'll, ch I'll challenge that. I don't know if it's about the growing up, I think it's about the feeling that we, we associate with that, similar to like I said about the goal. If we if we score a goal, we associate happiness, celebration, yeah. uh, enjoyment off the back of that. Yeah. But I think the growing up piece is much more taken serious. Yeah, taken serious, feel respected. Feel, I, exactly. I think the, I think the biggest one is I feel heard. Exactly. That's it. I, I mean, at least for me, that was the case, right? Maybe some people out there saying that's absolutely not the case. That was absolutely not the case for them. But to go back to the question you had, what coaches can learn from this is I would say make young kids feel respected, feel heard, talk with them on the same level because this elevates them. Hundred percent. So I, I guess, and I think this is where you know the world of coaching is so um, so interesting to me because obviously we've all got different ways of working. We've all got different ideas that work for us. From your perspective, what are some of the ways in which we can maybe go around making players feel heard and players feel respected? Um, yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it depends a bit on the coaching style that you have. There is not one perfect answer to that. What I like to do is work with questions and really give everyone, no matter if it's a if it's a it's a kid or or, or an adult, no matter how old, give the feeling that you care about what the other one has to say. And how do you do that is listen twice as much as you speak, because that's the reason why God gave us one mouth and two ears and ask questions and yeah, ask questions rather than tell other people what to do, because at the end, from a psychological perspective, everyone knows best, uh, everyone knows best what's best for himself. So you believe yourself the most. Mm. You don't believe anyone else as much as you believe yourself. And if this is something I think in general, if we talk about education, that if, if we as coaches um, bring this up in, in, in young adults, um, the sense of it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to come up with your own answers, I hear your answers, I take you serious, then this is something that helps an athlete not only to perform but in the end also feel better feel more feel feel luckier feel happier so just on that then obviously i, I think i think you're spot on i personally use a lot of questions um mm -hmm. i'm interested to know from your perspective what are the types of questions you'd encourage coaches to explore because i also you know in my role as a coach developer i spend a lot of time working with other coaches observing other coaches and um seeing other coaches work and in, in many cases, 
they say, yeah, I love asking questions to my to my players. I like, you know, I, I use questions a lot, but actually the questions are very leading. They're not very open. Um, they're very, um, directive, if you like. So what are some of the questions that you'd, you'd encourage coaches to use? And can you share some examples of those? Mm. Yeah. Also, again, it makes a difference if you work with a group or if you work with an individual. Sometimes if you work with a group, what most soccer football coaches do all day long, they work with the group, um, is you cannot you cannot have the questions too open all the time because you would just get lost. Um, so in this sense, what I like to do is going down, asking questions to um, obviously how people feel like about how emotions are in this in a certain situation. And this is where I can dig deep into because I work with people individually. But if I would give an advice to someone who works with a team is, um, yeah, first of all, try to find out the different personality character, characters of, of, of your team because everyone is different. Mm -hmm. And it depends on um, the personality correct, character of what kind of questions you can ask, should ask, how, how much you, you can or should involve something. Um, so there are great personality tests out there that can be done to, um, yeah, to just get a, a bit of a better psychological overview of your team. I mean, most pro teams, they already do that because they have the financial means and the experts in place to do that. Yeah. And this obviously makes, makes it easier for the coach. But I think if you are not, if you're, if you're as a coach, if you don't have this, this opportunity to do it. It's also sometimes very hard to try to do everything yourself as a as a as, as a football coach, because in the end you don't have time to to do all of that. So rather bring in someone else if you have the opportunity to do so. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, th I think you're spot on. I think <laughs> I like what you said at the start around um, you know if you're too open you can get lost. And I think that there's a, there's a key to that, isn't it? Is also recognizing that you know how many questions should I ask? Was it? But I think that that goes back to the right types of questions. So, I mean, some of the things that I look at is it might not even have anything to do with what's going on in the environment, mm. and it's got to be authentic. Mm. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be something that um, you know. In, in a, it's got to be the conversation needs to take place in a way where they feel they can genuinely feel like you care. It doesn't have to be extended. I mean, I, I find myself doing it all the time with young athletes and young players, um, just asking them little, you know, one or two questions. Um, but I also try and, you know, keep track of what they've said to me. Because mm. actually that then becomes a point for the future where I can say, oh, you know, how, 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 how's that going? Whatever it was, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And just, you know, that didn't just adds another layer to it, right? Actually, this coach really cares about me. And yeah. it could be a little thing, but I think the key bit is you feel heard. Oh, actually, he just he, and you now you feel respected. Oh, he remembers me. He remembers that. And I think one of the things that's worked out really well for me with that one is actually I'm I'm actually very good at remembering names. Mm. Um, and I remember I remember this one one occasion where actually I went to do a session to support a coach. Um, I didn't know who the players were, and then I came back a couple of weeks later and I remembered one of the players' names. And then she was like, oh, how did you remember my name? 
was like, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm amazing. I remember her names, but yeah, yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't I? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why wouldn't I remember your name? And it, it, I think that just made them feel a little bit more important in that moment. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely ways around it. But I, I want to go right back to the top of the conversation, though, because you said that, you know, you were talking about how you got into this line of work and how you how, how, how you found your passion around this stuff. You said there was a there was a, a period of time. But where you realized, actually. I've got there is hope there is there is a possibility to kind of uh you know learn and develop and grow what was the pivotal moment um what do you mean like the pivotal moment in the sense yeah, of what, what, doing... what was the, at, at what point you know obviously you mentioned that obviously your father turned his life around a little bit you mentioned that obviously that had a massive part to play in terms of how you you know really realized actually it's possible to change. It's possible. It's possible to, um, you know, do more essentially. And that you know, around the emotions, and you, you said you know, you mentioned that the emotions, you learnt the importance of managing the emotions. Mm. What was it specifically that that led you to that point where you thought actually this is real key? Because you, mm. and prior to that, you know, but but by the sounds of it, you didn't really have a clear understanding of mm. how important mm -hmm. that was to you. All right. Now I know what you mean. Um, I had three pivotal moments. First one was um, I went to Shanghai like a year after the death of my father. I was by myself. I was I had a lot of time to think. I was working in a foreign country um, and I met the right people. And at this time, I met a guy from Germany 
and he just quit his job a year ago and went on a world trip. And he told me his story and he was like, you know, I always wanted to, to rise in my company. I always wanted to have a good income, live a good life. You know, I wanted to make a lot of money and I did all of that. And at some point I realized it didn't make me happy. And at some point I was waking up in the morning crying and I had this chance to either go to my boss at this day, quit my job or go to the next bridge and jump off that bridge. I was devastated. He told me I was sitting across him and this stories, I never heard them before. I mean, I heard them. I read about those stories, but this guy, he became a very good friend of mine. He actually lived through this. And this made me think at the age of 20, how do I want my life to look like? Do I want that for my own life? Because up until this point, this was the dream or this kind of like ideal that I had in the back of my mind also. So this was the first step. Then I read an excellent book that made me like cry constantly, which was um, a book written by Sergio Bambaren. Um, I'm not sure if I get the correct English title of the book now, but I think that the English title is The Voice of the Sea or something like that. Die Stimme des Meeres in German. Anyway, I think The Voice of the Sea. Um, this book also made me think a lot. And then I met the first person who guided me in the direction of spirituality. And what that meant for me was getting in touch with my inner self, getting in touch with my own emotions, not being afraid of showing my emotions anymore. And also, yeah, getting a new perspective on my life, on life and death, on um, my beliefs and all that stuff. So these kind of like pivotal moments that all happened within, I would say a year, made me realize that this is something that I want to change for myself and that this is something I want to keep on exploring and potentially work with in the future. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, my mind is my mind is ticking all over the place, right? Um, that's why I paused for a second. Thank you. My question to you now then would be, there's going to be a lot of people maybe listening to this. Um, you're probably still airy-fairy about the idea of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Who are maybe not connected in that way. What would you say to them that's going to you know possibly encourage or spark a thought to actually let's explore this and how does that then lead into how we support athletes hmm. yeah very good question um how to how to put the spark in someone i mean first of all putting a spark into someone intentionally is something that is very hard and it's not what I intend to do um, in the sense of I know that I cannot motivate anyone to look into something that they don't feel for themselves is right at this very moment. 
So because I've experienced my father pushing me into places where I didn't want to go. And I've done this as a coach for a long time. At the beginning of my career, I tried to set the spark, put the spark in someone in many, in many different aspects. And I realized that this does not work. So if someone is very much um, not open towards spirituality, then what I am saying is not going to change that because I don't want to change that. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, but also, um, for me, looking back, I just knew that this is something that I want to have, that I want to explore further because I felt like immediately um, that this gives me some kind of um, something to hold on to. And I think, I think this is what belief does to people. So I did not grow up very spiritual in the sense of I grew up as a Catholic, but no one really took me to church, to church any, or anything like that. My grandmother was very into spirituality in the sense of going to church every Sunday, and she would have wanted us to go too. But we as kids, we were always like, nah, we're not doing that. And this is also not how I see or, or how, I, how I define my own spirituality at the moment. But I would say I, I created this kind of like belief into something bigger, into something that made me realize that I am not my body and that I, I am not my mind. I have a body and I have a mind. But some, there is some sort of energy or some sort of spirit behind all of that that makes the experiences. And to make the experiences for us on planet Earth, we need the body, we need the mind, so these experiences can actually be, um, we, can, we, can ex we can have these experiences. Similar to a diver, if you want to go diving, you need a diving suit to be able to breathe underwater, mm. our spirit, our energy needs the suit that we are in um, to make the experience on planet Earth. And when I heard this the first time, I was like, I was blown away because this gave me another kind of um, possibility to look at life and to really realize that Maybe all those experiences that we make, um, they are supposed to be like that. And we learn from that a lot. And it also made me realize that I don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Because when my father died, um, it made me fear death because I saw him dying and I couldn't really put it into perspective. And seeing someone dying can make you afraid of death a lot. That's what it did for me. Yeah. But this kind of explanation helped me to get out of that. And although I cannot say that this is really the truth or this is really what it is and that our spirit travels somewhere when the body is gone, at least it made me more calm and it made me um, yeah, more relaxed in the sense of I was more able to look inwards even more. 
right? Yeah, I think I think it's a really great point, and I think, like I said, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this thinking, mm, I'm not really, I'm not really sure about this, or there's going to be some people that can it can really resonate with, and um, I think that's it's absolutely a, okay if it does that. Yeah, yeah, hundred, hundred percent, and I think I, I, you know, I was going to lead on to say that I have a phrase, and I say, you know, co coaching is only done right when it has its desired impact, mm. right? It doesn't matter. So it's not about what you've done to get there. Did you get there? Did you get what you achieve? Uh, what what you set out to achieve? So mm -hmm. if you wanted a player to understand X, do they now understand X off the back of whatever the interaction was? And if they do, you've done it right. So I think in in this way, it, it kind of resonates with me in that this is something that worked for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you know, for me, the key takeaway message would be not going down the route of spirituality for coaches but actually have we have we have we ex have we exhausted all possibilities mm. have we exhausted all possibilities have or ha have we got to a point where we've run out of ideas and mm. so or, or rather because we're so used to the ideas that we're using quote unquote working that that's all we look to we're not looking for new ways to work and we're not looking for ways to expand our you know our coaching art artillery if you like mm -hmm. and it, it then it then makes me think about coaches who take a lot of credit for pe for players or athletes who have gone on to do well and they're not, you know they're not go on. sorry no i was just going to say they're, <laughs> go on. <laughs> you know what else this opened up for me this question every other question <laughs> because this is literally one of the biggest questions that we have as human beings where did we come from where do we go why are we here why are we doing what we're doing and i was not open to those questions before but I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely open to those questions now. Yeah. And being able to ask myself all those questions, and this is when it gets interesting for coaches, at least that's what I think, is if you're open to the question of why do I do what I do? What makes my heart light up? What makes my inner spark, what gives me this kind of inner sparkling feeling? Yeah um then this is something that you should follow but if you are not and and i'm not saying that you need to ask the spiritual question before to come to this point but this was certainly my path and um but ultimately i think it's a, it's 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 a good way to ask yourself this question to really find out what's your vision in life or to put it more um to, to put it in different words, what's your title of the book of your life? What's your North Star in life? Yeah. What makes your heart glow? And once you're able to answer this question of why, the power of why, once you're able to answer this question, then you can endure almost every how. Mm. So in this sense, we're no longer going from goal to goal to goal because what most people do is they 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 do goal setting in life and they feel like okay once i reach the goal of once i get this 
house once i buy this house once i have this car once i but once i win this trophy once i go to this club then i'm gonna be happy and then they reach a certain goal in life and then the next question follows what now what's next so they always see a goal as something that is at the end yeah but then they realize when they have reached a goal that this is not the end so well, I, I think just on that very quickly i think this is where you get a lot of athletes in particular or just people in general that that gets they get stuck in life sometimes because yeah. they've you know maybe their goal was to become a professional footballer and that was it hmm. but once they get to that point that's it that's you know they've achieved it hmm. so you know it's, it's like that it's like the old saying right you know it's easy to win a, a championship it's harder it's harder to maintain it mm. right it, that's where that's where the real skill and the real challenge comes in are you able to hold on to it mm. um getting there in the first place isn't the, isn't isn't the hard part but i guess you know i'm now thinking where do coaches take this you know how how, how do coaches what can coaches extract from what you're saying here and how does that then apply and is there a variation of how that then may look depending on the age and stage of the individuals that are in question? Mm. Um, well, yes, it is, because you need a certain ability to self-reflect. The, the, the beauty is the younger we are, the more we still know all this. We know if we're really young, we know that life is not about reaching goals. It's that's something we get taught. If you think of when you go for a walk with your kid in the park and he stops at every flower, um, he's just in the present moment. He just loves smelling that flower. And then the next thing is the ant on the, in the grass. He's just absolutely mesmerized by it. But what we tend to do as grown-ups is we tell the kids, um, come on, we need to go. We're still we're behind schedule. We need to go to your auntie. She's going to cook us some dinner. And once you are at your goal, it's going to be better for you. So we tell the kids from a very early age on that where they where they currently are is not as beautiful and not as nice not as nice where they're gonna be in the future. Um, so that's the way how we learn it, right? And um, where I want to go with this is, the older we get, the more we get soaked up by this kind of societal influence that makes us think like think like that. And then it takes a certain age to be able to self-reflect again. And I would say 14, 15, 16 around puberty is where this starts for, for most young adults, where they are able to do the self-reflective work. Um, it, it's a bit, it depends on the character, of course. Some For some it's earlier, for some it's 16 is, is, is good. Um, but then as coaches, it's not your responsibility to do this work with your athlete. You can only point the parents towards this. You can, at some point when the athlete is old enough, 16 or older, you can try to point him into this direction, mm. but he needs to do these steps alone. He needs to start to be self-responsible and in the sense of asking these questions himself, if yeah. he feels like something holds himself back, because that's something we feel very early. 
16, 17 years old, we already realized that we kind of like block our own performance. We kind of like we step on our own toes. And yeah. this is something that the coach can spot from outside. And you can go like, hey, listen, you know what? I feel like you're stepping on your own toes. You're kind of like blocking yourself. And these would be things that you could look into, looking into ABC, and then also maybe bringing in the parents, because also parents act as a huge role model, and also coaches act as a, as, as a huge role model. So if you want your kid to look at these aspects, of course, it would be highly, yeah. highly, um, highly, think... it, it, it would benefit if you also incorporate these things as a coach yourself or as a parent yourself 100 percent, and i think some of the key things that jump out at me as you're speaking is about ownership accountability responsibility um and i i fully agree with you and kind of the, one of the real key phrases that jumps out at me as you're talking is look i can only take you to the water i can't make you drink it absolutely um which is why i say to coaches and even though you know when they're working with players or even if i'm working with coaches directly I can only help, you know, what's that, what's, that, what's that saying? The teacher will appear when the student is ready to learn. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Same, like same, same concept. Um, yeah. It's just being, you, ha you have to want to do it. You have to be engaged in that process. But I think something really massive that you, t you pointed out there as well is about the, the influence of parents and just how, how much we can extract from that as coaches and because Ultimately, the parents are going to have the biggest influence because they spend the most time with them, right? Yeah. Um, especially outside of school anyway. Yeah. Um, parents spend a lot of time with them. But I th and I think, in my in my opinion, all my experience have shown me that I've never met a parent that doesn't want to help. But maybe they're just not fully aware on how to, best to help or what they can do. So they just do what they think is best or... You know, Always. maybe in your case, even though you maybe could share some experiences of your own, that you know, maybe when your dad was your coach, he was doing things with you that he'd seen or he thought were right, but he probably never did anything out of malice. He never, you know, if, even if it wasn't the right thing for you, even if you didn't enjoy it or you, he was too hard on you. He was, his intentions were good. Uh, and I and I do firmly believe that for for majority of parents, especially you know, I've never like I said, I've never seen seen a situation where I think oh that parent's got bad intentions. Actually, they're just probably not too sure, or they probably haven't been educated well enough in this area of what they're trying to achieve. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Every parent wants the best for his kid. At least I have also. I have never met any parent who didn't. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So, um, but let, let, let me say one more thing, yeah. make that even more clear, because up until the age of 12, 12, our brain waves are mainly theta brain waves. And within this stage of, of theta brain waves, everything that our parents do, say, feel, believe, we suck this up like a sponge and this goes straight into our subconscious and shapes our patterns and beliefs up until the age of 12 years old. Only when we are 12, 13, 14, the brain waves change more into, into alpha and beta brain waves. And this is where our conscious mind becomes more and more important. But just to make sure how that everyone understands who is listening to this, 
for how long we're actually influencing the kids on a subconscious level. And this, subcon this subconsciousness is kind of like our, our main hard drive. This mm. stays the same for most people for the rest of their life if they not become conscious about it and if, if they don't learn how to reprogram it and actually it's biologically even possible and there are great scientists out there who show you how the how the neurons in our brain are actually able to be reprogrammed if you do the right steps if you do personal development if you ask the right questions if you're able to go into your subconsciousness feel your emotions and reprogram it i think it's a really good point because i think we often say, you know, when we are, when they are kids and when they are younger kids, they just suck up everything like a sponge. But I think the, the, other, the other key part, and I think this just links right back full circle to the top of the conversation in that. You've now continued this as, as a as a as a as your life's work, if you like, um, because of the passion and the engagement you get from it. And I think one of the key things that coaches can really take away from that is how well are we getting our players engaged? How well are we getting our athletes engaged in in in, in, in a way where they're passionate about what we're trying to do with them? Because if they're passionate about what we're trying to do with them and we can get them to that point where they're engaged in that, they're going to take on anything that we say. And that, that, that for me is the real key to open a door of unlimited possibilities in that respect. Um, I'm conscious of time, Stefan. Um, just really, really want to say a massive thank you for your time today. And if, if you've got any lasting messages or key takeaways that you want the coaches to consider. Um, yeah, well, as I said, um, be a role model yourself and um, give kids or give your athletes the opportunity to ask those questions themselves. And even if it means... And I've had those athletes just a few days ago. I had one athlete that told me, I realized I don't need to become a football player to be happy. Wow. Boom. Great. Amazing. Go after that. Because that's ultimately what we want. We want people to go after what they really enjoy, what really sparks, what, what really ignites the spark within them. And also for us as coaches, this means giving them the opportunity to make this decision for themselves, even if it maybe means you lose a great player of the team. <laughs> I think it's a great point there, because the thing is as well, like ultimately, if they're, not, if, the, if, if they're doing it just because they think it's going to make them happy. Yeah, or for the money or for the fame yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, eventually they're going to stop, right? They're going to lose, they're going to lose sight of that. Or if they do get to the point where, they realize actually I'm detaching my emotions from the action. Yeah. Then it, it puts them more in control around their own feelings and their thoughts and their emotions. So I think it's a really, I think it's a really good point. Steph, con again, like I said, I'm conscious of time. Is it, is it, if anyone that might be interested, is there, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you and find a little bit more about the work that you do? Yes, of course, always. I mean, obviously anyone can visit my, my website, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or if you're going to share it or um, so it's um, stefanpetercoaching.com. Um, there is a ton of information on there. Um, I provide the coaching method that I developed is a four step co coaching method that helps 
guide athletes through this process, also coaches. I also work with coaches who want to learn this, this, this method um, themselves. And the first week of this method, you can download for free. You can download the workbook for free to see where those questions lead you. And um, I've got a free masterclass on my, on, on my website. Um, so this is a great start if you're interested in personal development. Um, if you have personal questions for me, there is a possibility to book a coaching with me. Um, the first coaching is also a free coaching where I want to really want to take the time and, and create as much value as possible for, for the person who is calling me and having questions for me. And I think that's a great start. And of course, then someone can decide to work with me in person for a longer period of time if he or she thinks it's valuable for his inner growth and performance and, and happiness. Amazing, Stefan. I want to thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. Some great insights. And um, I wish you all the success. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Yas, for giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I also wish you the best. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.